Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 12th of August 2019. I'm your host, Real Gerald Quinn, discussing the world of sports and pop culture. As always, we are streaming live on my YouTube channel, Real Deal Podcast. It will be up on Blog Talk Radio in about in a couple of hours. It will be uh, available uh, via uh, YouTube in about roughly 20 or 30 minutes after the broadcast um, after the broadcast has concluded. Hope everybody out there enjoyed their weekend as we uh, not wind down something, but a couple weeks, everybody will be back in school uh, uh, down here. You know, if you're down in DMV, some certain schools have already started, um, couples and certainly more to follow, but we still got a couple, you know, for the East Coast and some parts of the area down here, still got a couple weeks. Uh, for the uh, summer um, to um, to continue and for left in the summer, but again it goes by it goes by quick before you know it. College football will be kicked will kick off August twenty fourth, and NFL opening night will be uh, kicking off as well. Green Bay and Chicago, and that's where we're going to begin with the NFL uh, with Trent Williams of the Washington Football Team, who refuses to uh, report to. Um, to Washington is right now in a situation where he, you know, does not trust the medical staff. You heard Sue Cravens come out and they and back him uh, in terms of that. You had to, uh, with Sue Cravens, of course, the ex ex Redskin who um, claims that he was misdiagnosed is still in a you know filed a grievance against Washington that is still uh, ongoing. Uh, Trent, you know, is very difficult. For a player, these are cases. You know, these are there probably more of these cases than you actually hear about. But rarely does a player knock the medical staff. Rarely, players want to play, so players will get back on the field when they're not ready. They will get back on the field. You know, sacrifice their, their bodies, sacrifice their lives to get back on that field because they don't want to get they don't want to get their spots taken. So when you have a player of Trent Williams' caliber, Trent Williams, you know, pops, you know, more than likely is going to be a future Hall of Famer. We know what type, what type of player he is. When he comes out and basically gets to a point to where he does not trust the medical staff, to me, uh, that is a red flag against the organization. That's a red flag against against the medical staff. Trent Williams is a high character player. Again, is as tough as they come. Remember, this is a guy. And Trent Williams, who has played, anybody has watched Washington, anybody has root for this team, anybody has watched the NFC East closely, know know how tough it, how tough a player uh, Trent Williams is. Trent Williams will play with one on one arm and with on one arm and one leg. This is a guy who does, you know, now he has been injury prone recently in the last couple of years. He's starting to get older. Um, I think now would be the best time to get to move him if you're Washington. Think you can actually get something for him, and I think that uh, you know, it sounds like he's again, it sounds like that he's hell bent on not returning, no matter what. But this is a guy that has a lot of credibility and a lot of integrity. This is not just you know, uh, this is not just somebody who, uh, this is not a low character. This is not a guy who I take Trent when Trent Richardson, excuse me, when Trent Williams comes out and says something like this, I take it seriously because I know this guy wants to be on the field. And he's one of the toughest players in the league. And he has been for the better part of his career. 
So when he calls out your medical staff, you know, to me, where there's smoke, there's fire. And uh, again, this is a situation. I think the best thing for both parties, for Washington and for Trent Williams, is, you know, to, uh, I think to move on. Uh, I think if you're Washington, you try to move him. You try to say, you know, you try to move him, try to talk him back into coming back. Uh, it seems like that ship has sailed, to be honest with you. And again, even before all this commenced, I thought that Williams was somewhat on a, on a decline, getting older, and uh, even though he's still a good player, he, I, I think his best days are frankly behind him. Even before even before all this popped off. But again, if you're going to ask me who to side with, Trent Williams or the Washington medical staff or the Washington organization, I'm side with Trent Williams. Uh, every day of the week and, and twice on Sunday. That guy, that guy wants to play football. Make no mistake about it. It's not a, it's not, this is not a guy who, who misses games, who wants to miss games, and who doesn't want to be on the field. And again, it is very rare that you see players call out medical staffs. Does not, ha it does not happen that often. In any sport, doesn't happen that often. The NCAA comes to uh, its senses as far as the the Rich Paul, quote unquote, Rich Paul rule. They amend, they amend the fact that you, uh, they amend, they amend the rule. You don't now. You don't need a college degree. You don't need a college degree, college degree to represent a player. It was a, to me, it's just a dumb, a dumb rule that really actually would have hurt the NCAA. Because to me, you had more guys who were, that you would have more guys who would who would not be one and duns and who would just go straight to the NBA or go straight to Europe. Remember, the N, the NBA is going to start taking players from high directly from high school coming up in 2022. Even before that, 2020, 2021. Um, Rich Paul is, has become the, maybe the most powerful agent in, in the NBA right now in terms of his clientele list. He gets guys, he'll take guys out of high school, get them signed in Europe, and take it from there. So I don't think that, I think that it got to a point to where Trent Williams, to where, you know, they actually would have made Rich Paul more powerful. Had he uh, had they um, kept this rule, and it was in their best interest to go back on this rule, to go back on this rule, and just and do and you know to go back on this rule, and just let let these players make their own decisions and not try to hey, listen. You're not going to stop Rich Paul and LeBron James. It's just not going to happen. They were going to to me. They were going to find a way around this anyway. Again, you would have had players going directly from the NBA, going from directly from the high school to the NBA, or directly going to from high school to Europe for like for a year until they until they were until they were eligible to play in the NBA. That's what it would have happened. So, I think this again, this was an easy, you know, again, this was an easy rule to amend. This was. Um, 
something that uh, again some, that faced so much backlash. And again, it just made no sense. It really made no sense from the NBA. I mean, the NBA was basically cutting his nose to spite his face. It would have hurt. It would not have hurt Rich Paul. It would not hurt Rich Paul to me. It would have hurt the NCAA a lot more than it hurt than it would have hurt Rich Paul. Because he's going to get guys are going to go to seeing what Rich Paul has done in terms of how many how many max contract guys that he has under under whether it be LeBron James, uh, Ben Simmons, John Wall, just to name a few, Anthony Davis. Guys are going. Guys are going to gravitate to Rich Paul, seeing what he's done uh, with uh, with that with that crew of players, and just you know wanting to be a part of the LeBron James tree. Clutch Sports. They realize you know this guy's the most powerful agent. Maybe he may be the most powerful agent in sports right now. Not just the NBA. It's not. Out of, it's not out of the runs. You know, it's, that's not crazy to say that he's the most powerful agent in sports right now. So the NBA succumbs to the backlash and again just you know uses this common sense. Uh, NBA schedule came out today. Um, the NBA continues to just to get soft, softer and softer each year. Uh, you know you have the amount of ten games that will be appear at ten thirty reduced from fifty seven to thirty three. That the All Star break is going to be a week for all teams. You have an all time low in back to backs. For teams with teams have an average, will have an average of twelve point four back to backs. You know, I'm, I'm just wondering when does it, when will it get to a point to where Adam Silver goes pro league and anti players? Like, when does he? When will he? Because it any commissioner has to make a decision at a certain point to where they have to to where what they do for the best interest of the game may not coincide with what's for the best interests of your players. And he's going to have to make that decision. Now, it could be the next collective bargaining agreement. It could be with this, um, with resting players. But right now, I mean, Adam Silver is seemingly in the, the, pot, the, the pocket of the players, seemingly. I mean, everything is geared towards the players. And again, I don't blame the players for wanting to try to get everything they possibly can from Adam Silver. But as a commissioner, again, you can knock David Stern for all you want. David Stern, I didn't agree with everything David Stern believed in or said, but you can't knock the growth of the game under David Stern. And David Stern knew how to protect the league. And at a certain point, at certain, there's going to come a point in time where Adam Silver is going to have to protect the league. And again, protecting the league may not be completely in the best interest of the players. That time is coming sooner or later. Uh, some of the highlights of the schedule, again, the Christmas Day, you know, you have the Lakers Clippers, Houston Golden State, Miami, Philly, Toronto, Boston, New Orleans, Denver. The Lakers lead the amount of appearances, national television appearances with 31. A little bit surprised that Golden State is second uh, with thirty. A little bit surprised by uh, a little bit surprised by that, but you know Golden State still has a pedigree of winning. They still have Steph Curry, still have Steph Curry, Draymond Green, 
uh, Clay, they'll get Clay Thompson back. And again, I think Golden State is going to be a little bit better than what people expected, especially if Clay Thompson is able to come back um, sometime after uh, the All Star break. He, again, he probably won't miss. He probably he's not going to miss the whole season. They still have some nice pieces. Um, they'll be a threat. They'll be a threat in the uh, playoffs. Maybe not to get to the finals, but a threat to possibly upset. Uh, to upset one of those top seeds. But, uh, again, the overall theme of the NBA schedule is just it is player-friendly to a T. I mean, again, these again these teams and organizations have no excuse to frequently rest their star players, especially on primetime games or, spe- or especially at home. They have zero excuse to rest their players. Frequently, uh, uh, over the course of the season, the NBA has gone out of its way to um, to protect these players. And again, it just it makes you wonder about you know the NBA has gone out of their way to protect their players, but guys still are getting hurt at a frequent at a, a frequent rate. So uh, again, it makes you wonder. Does this even matter in terms of the back-to-backs? In terms of the you know tense you know reduced you know earlier starts, longer All-Star break. It has not had any impact on a lack on a lack of injuries. Guys are still going down like you know left and right in terms of how many injuries there are. I'll be curious to see how you know where the injury how many injuries occur this year versus the past couple of years with some of these. Um, some of these new moves that have been made. You know, with all that being said, the NBA season doesn't start for another, you know, month and a half. So you still have some time uh, for uh, You still have some time with the NBA season in terms of when the NBA season starts. Um, you have, have some time for that, and, you know, we'll see. We'll see what transpires with some of these changes, but again, you know, I the back the ten thirty start, the you know the pushing the pushing back on the ten thirty start. I think that that's smart from a standpoint of, you know, you want as many fans as possible. I think that's a ratings thing. I think I think the NBA wants, I think the NBA is kind of a little bit concerned about it's concerned about his ratings. They figure earlier start times, more fans, you know, staying up to watch it, staying up to watch, uh, staying up to watch the games. Uh, so I think that's a that's a part of uh, I think the ratings are driving that as far as a uh, reduced number of 1030 starts. I would be interested to see. Again, I'd be definitely be interested to see this next collective bargaining agreement with the players, the players. And uh, with Adam Silver versus the NBA, Adam Silver versus the players, and how that's going to turn out. Because if you're an owner, if you're an owner of a team, you got to be a little bit nervous on how pro, on how much pro player Adam Silver is right now, especially comparison in comparisons to uh, to David Stern. Like, if I was the owner, I would feel like Adam Silver is too pro player right now.
couple of things of interest over the course of the weekend. Um, uh, if, I don't know if anybody saw the NBA, the WNBA fight with uh, with Brittany Griner and uh, Christina Nigue was was hilarious. It, it, not only like you had a couple of punches, you had some punches thrown. It wasn't an all out, you know. It wasn't the Palace of Auburn Hills 04. But funny thing about it is Griner gets hit in the back of her head. She takes a, she takes some swings at uh, Nigue. Nigue then basically backtracked, just basically basically ran, ran away from the fight. Griner gets restrained, and then Nikwe tries to come at the Griner after she at the Griner was restrained. Nikwe tries to come at the Griner, which I found hilarious. I mean, she had Nikwe had at least a good ten to fifteen seconds if she really wanted to fight Griner. She was backpedaling. She was running, basically running backwards for about a good 10 to 15, 20 seconds. Again, Griner, you know, Griner's been been in a couple, a little of minor scuffles over the past over the course of her uh, career. Might be the only time I talk about a WNBA uh, game on this podcast, to be honest with you. But found that hilarious. Just the whole the whole idea of you know. You know, playing the tough guy, the tough lady, the tough woman, once somebody has held you or once somebody is holding the person who's coming after you. Uh, I didn't see, I guess a neat way, it happened so quick, a neat way hit Griner in the back of the shoulder or the back of the head and Griner basically just, you know, flipped out and, you know, really came, really came after her. But again, neat way had plenty of opportunities to, if she really wanted to fight Griner, she could have fought her. She really, she really, she she did not want that smoke whatsoever. She didn't want any part of Griner. From the looks, if you watch the video, it, the video was hilarious. It was on Twitter and on YouTube. You can catch it, uh, catch it anytime. But again, probably the only time that I will mention a uh, WNBA uh, WNBA action uh, on this podcast. Saturday Saturday morning, as we you know shift gears here, you had the suicide of, of one Jerry Epstein. Uh, some reports came out came out that the guards didn't follow protocol as far as checking him every half hour. Um, I understand that you know the victims they have a lot of the victims who are besides themselves, uh, considering that uh, thinking you know thinking that he took the easier way out, thinking that he won't. You know, spend the rest of his life in jail. Um, you can, I mean, you can blame the guards for, you, know, you can blame the guards for not following the protocol of uh, how many times per hour they were supposed to jack him. The bottom line for me is if a guy or a person wants to kill themselves, they are going to find a way to kill themselves. There's, I, I think ultimately there's nothing you can do about somebody who really wants to die. And this guy, there was no way that this guy who was a multimillionaire had been living, you know, the good the good life as far as the money in terms of the money and his lifestyle. There was no way that that that, that guy was going to spend the rest of his golden years and the rest of his life in prison. It just it was not going to happen. I, when I heard about this on Saturday, I was not the least bit least bit surprised by it. Again, I think if you're a victim. Of it, I can't tell a victim of, of, you know, somebody who was a victim how to feel. 
uh, I think there's a, there, there probably certainly is a sense of, um, of disclosure, not closure. There's a sense of, you know, I don't, th- listen, I don't think he got away with anything. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, you have to be in a dark place uh, to commit suicide. And if there's a heaven, he's not in it. So, I mean, from that standpoint, again, that doesn't, you know, take away from the fact that you have, you have, may have many victims or uh, you know, people who are trying to sue his estate that just wanted him to flat out suffer, that just wanted him to, you know, get into rotten jail for the next rest of his days. But the bottom line is there's no way in the world that that man was going to that that man was going to spend the rest of his life in prison. It was just it was it wasn't going to happen. He was going he was going to do what he did. And, and um, again, I don't you know, I don't know what you tell what you tell somebody who who's a victim of, of Jerry Epstein. I, I really don't. There's no words that you can. I mean, going on with the rest of their lives will never be the same. This is something that will stick with them till you know till they leave this earth. There's no forgetting this at all. There's, you can, I don't care how long they live. But there is no way that uh, that, that was going to be prevented. I don't care how much, I don't care if they would have been checking his, his prison, his cell every five minutes or every two minutes. It doesn't matter. There's no way you're going to keep a guy from doing, you know, from, you know, from offing yourself. Again, if they want to go out there and sue the estate, sue the estate for pain, suffering, for emotional damages, I have certainly have no problem with that whatsoever. Certainly, a lot, most of them, a lot of them, going to need therapy for upon years, upon years, maybe for the rest of their lives. Who knows? And there's no, I mean, there's no amount of money that could take, you know, that can pay for the emotional damage that he's done, that he's done to all those victims. That that is not. Again, there's not enough money in the world that can uh, that can wipe that pain away. Also makes me wonder about why pro why the protocol wasn't followed, considering that this was a he had to be a high suicide risk and a high profile profile client uh, prisoner. Yeah, it makes you it makes you wonder just a little bit why protocol was, was not followed. But I would say that, you know, to the victims, you know, you can't let this guy dictate the rest of your years. I mean, some of the victims, like, well, it doesn't matter how old you are. Like, you can't let his energy dictate your remain, your, the remaining days that you have left on this earth, if, if possible. It's one thing to remember. It's one thing to never forget. But, you know, um, you can't let him dictate. You can't. I mean, he's already taken enough away as far as the pain, as far as the suffering, but hopefully, you know, the victims have plenty of life to live 
And hopefully at a certain point, they will be able to move on with the rest of their lives as best they can. You had a, a gold medal fencer race in Bowdoin, uh, took a knee at the Pan American Games. Um, when things like this happen, it kind of gets swept under the carpet. I remember the the Oakland A, and I believe he took a knee. I forgot his name last year, but he, he might not have been in Major League. I think he was on the Major League roster. He could have been on Triple A. Roster. I think he was in the, the, the Oakland A's farm system, Triple A, and he took a knee. They kind of got swept on Kind of got swept under the carpet. Well, uh, this young man took a, took takes a knee at you know at a high profile game, high profile event, the Pan American Games, gold medal winner, one of the best course fencers in the world. He takes a knee, uh, protesting. Um, based protesting uh, civil rights and, and and things of that nature. And again, it kind of got swept under the carpet. Under, under the carpet, kind of probably will be like a one day, one or two day story. Um, I give him a lot of credit um, because, from a standpoint of having a heart to do that at that particular time, and also taken away from his his own mo moment of winning a gold medal. I mean, he could easily he could easily say to himself, "Look, this is my moment. This is I worked, you know." years upon years to get to this to get to the top um of the sport gold medal winner but he chose to uh use that use this platform use this platform to express himself and whether you disagree with it or not one thing you cannot knock is is how is how courageous and is very it's selfless to me it's selfless because remember that that is his moment that is his moment um being a gold medal winner now you could say you can, you can easily say it was the moment of the other player of the silver medalist and the bronze medalist. Remember, he won the gold medal. He won the gold medal, so he really should be locked in on that particular moment as much as, much as anyone as a gold medal winner. And I, you know, I applaud him for sacrificing his moment to make a point and to use that platform to express himself. One guy that will continue to take a knee, I'm sure, will be uh, Eric Reed. Uh, Eric Reed continues to get drug tested at a, let's just say, a, uh, a lot um, he's already been through two weeks of training camp. He's already been in. Uh, he's already having had two random drug tests. Um, Carolina Panther safety, who of course, along with Colin Kaepernick, was one of the players that was kneeling a couple years back. He continues to kneel. Um, over he continues to kneel. Was you know, unlike Kaepernick, he was uh, able to get back in the NFL. Uh, he's with Carolina, and listen, I think if you're Eric Reed. This is something that is going to come with uh, the territory here. He's going to be a target um, for the rest of his career, as long as he's on. Long as he's on, I, I even I think if even even if he stopped kneeling, I think he still would be a target. So I, I think this is something that is not going away anytime soon. 
Um, I think it will ratchet up over the course of the season. He he probably will set a record for how many drug tests that he will take over the course for the rest of his career. This is something that's not this is something that's not going away because he's a target. He's a target, and it's a part you know it's part of protesting. It's a part of the backlash that you receive when you fight when you're standing up for something that you believe in. It, it comes with the territory. Again, I have not heard Eric Reed complain. I, I, again, I want Eric Reed to keep coming out and speaking up on this. Like, yes, they are random. They are, they are random. I'm getting random drug tests out, out of the blue. So he should keep. He should keep. Uh, he should continue to speak up on this. He should. He should continue, continue to express himself. He should continue to kneel. Why stop now? Because again, the NFL is not going to stop messing with him. It's just not going to happen. I almost look at it as almost it's kind of almost a way of for him being of of punishment for him reinstating him, letting him back in the league. All right, you can play in the NFL, but this is what you're going to deal with moving forward. Kaepernick has become too big of a of a cultural fig, uh, figure to you know to let back in the league. He's too big. He's just too big of a you know he's too big for the NFL right now. There's one guy who thinks he's bigger than the league, and of course, Oakland wide receiver Antonio Brown. Who, you know, you have to be, you have to be next level narcissist, narcissistic to number one, put yourself at risk with the defeat, you know, with the with the crowd, crowd, the the crowd therapy, and not using the protective, the proper foot gear. Um, in that crowd, in that crowd therapy chamber, there's no way in the world that I, the Antonio Brown, did not know what the proper foot gear was to use in that crowd therapy uh, chamber. There's no chance. I, I don't believe it for a second. I'm sure someone told him this is this is what you should wear going into this uh, before you go into this chamber. I'm sure. I'm sure Antonio Brown chose otherwise to uh, do what he does. And that's his own thing. Just like he's trying to do with this helmet situation. Despite the fact that we have a that these helmets have been outlawed and has been proven that these helmets are are a higher risk for concussions, he wants to do his own thing. Even though it's been proven that these high these helmets that you're wearing that have been banned and outlawed are a higher risk in terms of concussion, CTE, and what have you. And again, I don't know. Listen, I grew up on res- watching receivers. The art monks of the world, Mike Quicks, Roy, you know, Roy Greens, Andre Reeves, Jerry Rice's, John Taylor's, players of that caliber. I, I, somewhere between, you know, Terrell Tara Owens and Randy Moss, these guys just absolutely lost their minds as far as these receivers goes, as far as these receivers. I mean, these guys are, most of these guys are out, you know, you can put Owens, Ocho Cinco in that category as well. Also grew up watching uh, Chris Carter, who began, became one of the all-time greats after, you know, after his issues with uh, drug abuse early in his career. That got him cut from Philadelphia and almost almost cost into his career. 
But these receivers are going absolutely, absolutely berserk over the past 15 years. And again, it's been proven that you don't need top you don't need you don't need a guy that can catch you know that can that's catching 100 passes, 1500 yards, 12 to 15 touchdowns to win a championship. You don't need that guy on your team. You really don't. And again, you already see the ass kissing by Oakland Reyes, John Gruden. Uh, you know, we support him. None of it is his fault. He wants to be on the field, blah, blah, blah. Just that much more, in, in, you know, entitlement, empowerment. The guy comes in, <laughs> he comes in the uh, uh, training camp on a hot air balloon. So... Uh, you know, good luck with that with Oakland, Cleveland, likewise with Odell Beckham. Because these, I mean, these guys think they actually believe that they are bigger than the team. They really believe that that they are bigger than the team. And if you don't have a strong culture or infrastructure, they will be bigger than, bigger than the team. Randy Moss came to New England, you had Belichick. Came to Minnesota, you had Dennis Green, Chris Carter, and some veterans around him. So I think I don't again, I don't I know that you don't need a top receiver anymore to uh to win a championship. I, I understand that Julio Jones came close a couple years with Atlanta. But Julio Jones, again, Julio Jones doesn't act like that. He, so he's, I mean, he is the antithesis of what today's, of these, of these diva receivers. He is, Julio Jones is class personified on the field and off the field. This is the Real Deal Podcast. Now, a couple of, um, of course, over the weekend, you had Rick Ross come out for the Miami 2. Uh, I, I, I recommend the album. It's a strong, above average album, to say the least. Strong production, some strong features, just enough in terms of tracks. 15 probably was the cutoff. Could have went one or two less tracks, maybe, but not. I'm not going to complain about 15 tracks. Uh, again, a lot of strong features: Meek, Nipsey, Drake, Little Wayne. Um, overall production was basically flawless, and uh, it was you know it was vintage Rick Ross. Um, so I really don't have any problems with the with the uh, CD. I don't have any problems with um, with the flow uh, of the tr- with the flow of the tracks. Um, again, you. In a perfect world, to me, the ideal number of tracks is anywhere from 12 to 15. Once you get beyond 15, it's going to be a struggle for the most part. But 15 is probably a perfect amount of, of tracks to come out with, uh, uh, you know, in 2019 with in 2019 with um, with today's uh, with these with these streaming services and also with just a lack of, uh, you know, 
lack of attention, uh, attention spans from, um, you know, from consumers. You know, got, like, I want to go through a CD in basically 45 minutes to, and basically uh, 45 minutes to an hour. And then we'll spend his, now his is about an hour and six minutes. So I can, you know, high quality, I can accept it. But you get into that hour, 15, you get into that 16, 17, 18, 20 tracks. I don't want to hear interludes. I just want to hear straight music. Be honest with you. So y'all don't need interludes. I don't need, um, you know, I don't need skits. I just want straight music. And for the most part, you got that was what you got out of Ross's uh, album. Again, this album, the features, you know, you had Nipsey, you had Meek, you had Lil Wayne. He made the feature. He made all his features count. He made all his features count. So strongly recommend recommend the album. Um, is it a top five album this year? I go back. I mean, this recently we had like it's gotten the summer's gotten stronger with some of these albums that have come out uh, of late, especially in the past month with Nas's Big Crit. Uh, some you know some of those early you know you had Tyler the Creators a couple months ago, so it may it may crack a top five. I have to go back and look at it again before I uh, give them that distinguished. Uh, you know, before I go that far, but again, I think it's above, definitely an above average, above average album. So I would definitely recommend it. You also had Hot Girl Summer come out finally from Meg Thee Stallion, also uh, with uh, Nicki Minaj and um, not T Pain. Who's also on here that I left off that uh, came out uh, that was on there. Might have been, it might have been T-Pain on there. Anyway, uh, it was about to be, the summer is almost close to over, but again, that was worth the wait. That should carry her into the fall. Uh, she definitely carried her into the fall and definitely something that, uh, you know, probably it'll be popping for the next, maybe it, give it a month. Give it a month. I won't give it past, uh, past Labor Day. As far as that, because summer's almost over, so it, I don't. The timing of this song, the song probably should have came out in late June, early July. If you're gonna do a summer theme, you gotta do. I mean, summer. Remember when Fresh Prince's song came out, summertime. That was out like in early May, and that was that. That song came out in early May before Labor Day, and you know, rolled all the way through September, uh, right before school started. So you come, you come out with a summertime anthem. You got to come out early in the summer. I thought that was some bad, just some poor timing, from some poor timing, especially considering the fact that early on, early in the summer, that uh, it wasn't, you know, you didn't have a lot of stuff out in May, um, in May, in late and early June. So it would have been perfect time to come out in middle May, late May, early June. Uh, right now, you know, people are still on Nas, people are still on, on Rick Ross's CD, people are still, you know, Big Crit, Freddie Gibbs, a number of stuff that's still out that people are on right now. Knife Wonder. So I didn't, I don't, I did not necessarily like the timing of, of the song, but again, it's a popping song, you know, it's a nice summer song. Um, but again, it'll probably just gonna have a very, very short, uh, short shelf life to say the least. That's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. As always, you can catch this podcast on uh, Block Talk Radio in a couple of hours. This is the Real Deal Podcast. Tell me like it is with no apologies. I'm gone.